Good morning, family. So glad to see everyone here with us this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in song so well. Uh, thank you to Sandy, who was over here singing, first time on uh, with the team. Thank you so much. So glad to see more and more people getting involved and helping us uh, lead in that fashion. Well, we are going to continue <clears throat> excuse me, our series going through the book of Proverbs. We've been in this for a few weeks now, and so we've kind of established the, the understanding of the Bible's um, understanding of wisdom, that wisdom comes from God and that we need to go to him for a, uh, a correct understanding of how to order our lives how sin kind of entices us away, but God's wisdom actually blesses us, how we should actually trust in the Lord over our own understanding. And then we talked about, we're starting to talk about those kind of uh, topics or issues that the book of Proverbs uh, speaks for uh, uh, directly to, first being adultery or sexual morality. And then last week we talked about work, and this week we're going to be talking about anger and what the Bible or book of Proverbs has to speak about anger. And so that's where we're, we're, I can't speak, that is where, where we will be this morning. But before we get there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for this time in which we can sit under your word and when we can read it and know it and through it know you. Lord, I just pray for this time that as we open up your word that you bring it to life in our hearts and minds that we truly can see you and what you would have us do and be. What it means to be a wise person in this world according to you. What it means to be following your wisdom day by day. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to do this under our own power, but we do it because you have transformed us by your spirit. You've transformed us by our faith in Christ. And that's through that that we can be yours. That's through that that we can be wise and follow your word. Lord, we love you, we seek you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Yelling at that car that cut you off, or maybe that car is just too slow to get into the turn lane and kind of making you slow down a little bit. Maybe it's the snapping at your spouse when you're just, you, you don't even mean to. Or the frustration that kind of wells up with kids because they're, they're just kids. Or maybe it's just that wishing ill of that coworker that is so annoying and can't get their act together. Or it's the lashing out when projects don't go your way. We've all experienced when anger goes wrong. It could, we've dished it out towards people. We've been on the receiving end. We've seen it. We've heard it. We know it. It seems like this is a, a matter of life. It could be mild just those complainings, those frustrations, those irritations. It could be kind of buried where we kind of paint it over and we don't want people to see it. It could be very veiled where it's just really judgmental thoughts towards others or we get passive-aggressive. Or sadly, it could be very intense when we lash out, when we have hostility, when we actually have violence towards one another. We've all seen and experienced when anger goes wrong. I say it goes wrong because it's not the problem of anger in itself, because actually anger can be good. Anger declares something's wrong here and it needs to be corrected. Anger, in its essence, wants to protect the innocent. It wants to fight injustice. 
We know that because God displays anger. He displays anger against sin and wrath towards those who commit injustice. And so anger is not the problem. What's the problem is we can't handle anger. We can't handle it correctly. Because where God handles it correctly against things that need to be changed, we change it and we make it about ourselves and our anger becomes because someone slights us or somehow we are obviously not the center of the universe anymore. And we act out in anger. The problem is we can't handle it well. So what does the Bible say? What does the book of Proverbs say about anger? When we come into these different kind of topics, some of them have long teachings in the book of Proverbs, like adultery has you know, many, many sections and long uh, passages about that. But when we come to of anger, it's not like a long teaching. It's just actually snippets of Proverbs scattered throughout the whole book. And actually, we could spend almost the whole time here just reading the different Proverbs about anger. And so what I did is I grabbed five of them, and we're going to read five Proverbs about anger and see what that teaches us about what God says, how we should handle anger. And so we're going to be reading, and so you're going to probably be easiest to follow on the screen, but if you want to try to follow in your Bible, you're more than welcome to do so. But we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. It says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 15:18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 16.32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. Proverbs 19.11 Good sense makes one slow to anger, and in his glory to overlook an offense. And it is, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. As I said, there are so many other Proverbs that speak of anger, and we're just going to take these five and see five truths about anger and what that means for us. But how would I distill these five kind of Proverbs and bring them together? And it's really simple. Be wise, be slow to anger. This is what the, the common teaching, common instruction of the Bible and of Proverbs is, is that to be wise is actually to be slow to anger. That you don't let anger consume you. You don't let anger control you. Rather, you command your anger. You're wise. Be wise. Be slow to anger. Before we go any further, I have a confession to make, is that when I read passages about anger, particularly whenever, the whole Bible, but when I'm preparing a sermon, I first preach to myself because I'm in as, need, as much need to the truth of God's Word as anyone else. But when it comes to anger, I'm like, I probably should have given this to someone else. Because I have the curious trait is that we can be a little short-tempered. We can be a little prone to anger. I can hide it pretty well when you're like, oh, no, Adam, you seem so even kill, and you're easygoing. My wife is back in the kids, and I'm thankful because she'll say, oh, really? She knows, and it's sad to say she knows, 
that when I'm doing a house project, you know, when I'm fixing something, chances are it's not going to go away, my way, and I get frustrated, and she knows not to offer helpful suggestions. She knows not to speak into what's going on there. She knows to give Adam his space, because chances are he's angry right now. And it's better for him to take it out on the project than for me to mess up and sin and snap at her, as I'm all too often um, prone to do, which is sad. And so just know that when we come to the Word, I come knowing the grace of Jesus Christ, and so we see these commands, we see these laws, and I'm right there with you. I need this. I need to be wise, more wise than I am, and I need to be slower to my anger. But we read these and we see these points out about how we should be wise and why we should be wise and how that looks. And so Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And so right there in that first Proverbs, we get this contrast between understanding and folly. That that person who can control his anger, his slow to anger, he has great understanding. This ability to actually see these different courses, these maybe even opposite lines of thinking, and choose the correct one. He is, he's kind of with it. He is, his mind has not deserted him if he can control himself. That's versus a person who, who cannot control himself, who has a hasty temper. He exalts folly. He can't see the truth in front of him. He doesn't know which way to go. And so actually it shows the stupidity of emotional outbursts. That a person is hasty to be tempted just actually demonstrates how foolish it is when we can't control our emotions. That the principle here when we see Proverbs is that we should be slow to anger. Why? Because we have a firmer grasp on ourselves and we can actually see which way we should go, how we should respond, how we should love people and serve people. And that's a good thing. I was reading a book by... um, um, his name is uh, Chris Voss, and he was, used to be a FBI hostage negotiator. And uh, he has this statement about anger. He says, as an emotion, anger is really pro- rarely productive. It releases stress hormones and neurochemicals that disrupt our, your ability to properly evaluate and respond to situations. And it blinds you to the fact that you're angry in the first place, which gives you a false sense of confidence. I think that's so true. That's what this proverb is saying is that when we are angry, when we're hasty and temporary, we exalt folly. Why? Because we cannot evaluate what's going on in front of us. We can't even see the truth of the situation. And the fact is, it blinds us and we feel right about it. And we just make fools of ourselves. But the person who is slow to anger can control that and actually can see the truth of a situation and respond with understanding. Be wise, be slow to anger. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. That again, we have this comparison, this, uh, this, uh, this uh, parallelism that is kind of showing the difference between someone who's in control of their emotion and someone who's not. That the hot-tempered man stirs up strife, This is warfare language. That this person who's hot-tempered can come into this situation and no matter how well some kind of um, contentions and and, uh, 
conflict have been buried. He kind of steps into that situation and fans them into flames. He can say the right thing. He gets angry with people. It causes people to be angry. It causes the strife in relationships. It's like someone walking into a conversation and is throwing that kind of conversational hand grenade and it's walking away as people bicker and fight after they release that. That the strife happens when someone is hot-tempered. He stirs up in contrast to someone who is slow to anger can actually listen to people in quiet contention. He can listen to issues and actually talk through issues with someone without taking it personally, without snapping back, without getting defensive. And so he actually can quiet people's arguments. He can be that blessed peacemaker that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 when he says, blessed are the peacemakers because theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. And he can actually... Keep, create peace with people as he quiets those contentions, as he can walk through those issues. What do you want to be, the person who stirs up, stirs up trouble and strife or the person who actually can help people in their relational problems as we speak the truth and we can bring those things together? As we're going through these Proverbs, it's really interesting that uh, the, the same language is used again and again between slow to anger and you know, hot and tempered or hasty to temper. And you've got these kind of analogies being played out. That anger in, in the Hebrew is actually the word af, and I only say that because I find it hilarious, is that actually it can mean nostril or nose. It's because it's understanding that the Hebrews actually saw this and said, when you get angry, what happens? Probably your nostrils flare and you get red in the face prominently in your nose. And so anger is so equated for that that people can see it on your face as you're just brimming over, you're hot against something. And they see that there. And that to be slow to anger is actually to be, is, is long. It actually is, is literally means to be long in nostril, meaning that you're long-suffering, that you have mastery over your nostrils, that you're not flaring your nose at people, but actually you can control your emotions and actually they don't see the anger on your face. And that to be hasty tempered or hot tempered carries this meaning of your, you have a lack of control over your emotions, that you're going to be prone to those emotional hot, uh, outbursts so much so that you are hot. And that, I mean, that makes sense because we've all been there. When you get angry, when you get mad about a situation, what happens? There is a, feel, uh, there is a bodily change that happens where you get flushed. Your heartbeat gets going. You feel hot. You can feel it in your, in your, face, in your face, but you, the Bible is saying here, you actually can control that. You don't have to be beholden to your body running away with your emotions. And all that's saying, don't be someone who is hot-tempered and feels it, has no control. And so when they walk into situations, it becomes worse than it was. Rather, if you can control it, if you have command of it, you can walk in there and actually have peace be a result. Be wise, be slow to anger. Proverbs 16, 32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Actually, to have control over your emotions, to be slow to anger, is so praiseworthy. The, the uh, Solomon here would say that you actually should be praised more than someone who takes over a city, more than the mighty people of renown. The person who has control of themselves should be praised. 
Why? Because we know it. It's harder to control yourself and conquer yourself than it is to go out and conquer a city. It's harder to actually reign in your own emotions. And so when you can, when you're able to do so, you should be praised because of it. You should be renowned and people should know you as a person to actually give you credit. That you rule your spirit means that you control your emotional state. You conquer yourself and don't let yourself run away and have your emotions drive you forward. Be wise. Be slow to anger. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to angry, and in it is his glory to overlook an offense. What are you known for? When it says, and it's his glory to overlook an offense, it's his glory, people know him, it's his, his reputation, it's kind of what adorns his life, that people see that and see his glory, meaning they see it and he has a reputation, that he can overlook an offense, that he's slow to anger, he has control of his emotional state. That when we understand that people, people know that for you, is asking that question, what should we be known for? What do people see when they see you? Do they see someone who has good sense? has control of himself, or they see someone who's lost control and this is at the, the control or at the uh, beck and command of their emotions. It's our reputation. It's the glory. It's his glory to overlook an offense. That's so important because we should be known as people who have control of themselves, who can handle anger well. Why? Because we are, as Christians, should especially be known as those people because it reflects God's character. It's a family trait. If we're going to say we're God's, we should be reflecting who God is to the world. And one of the key elements of who God is to the world is that he's slow to anger. We can read that. Back in Exodus 34, verse 6, this is when the Lord passes by Moses. What does he declare to Moses about who he is? It says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It's so key to our understanding of who God is that when you read the Psalms or you read the Bible again and again, this phrase is picked up describing who God is. He's slow to anger. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God's very nature is that he's slow to anger and we praise him because of it. Because we go away, we're sinners, we don't do what we are supposed to do. And if God was not slow to anger, his wrath would pour down on us right then, right away, and none of us would be alive. But he's slow to anger. He takes the hits and still loves us. He does not respond hastily because he knows how he loves us and what is in store for us. So this is a urging that we should be known for the same thing as well. We reflect God's character when we are long-suffering. When we can actually take personal offense and we can say, you can say anything you want about me, it does not matter because I know who I am in Christ. And so whatever you say doesn't matter. I can take a personal offense and I don't get angry. Why? Because I see that not being the final word because I know who Christ God is, I know who he sees me to be. That we 
be wise, be slow to anger, and reflect God's character. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. This is actually, uh, Paul is reflecting this kind of same thought in 1 Corinthians 15.33 when he says, Do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. This idea, watch out who you're with because you can start following along in their footsteps rather than doing what you're supposed to be doing. When it says do not make, uh, make no friendship, it's no make association, it's the idea don't be known to be with these people if they're walking away doing unwise things such as following their anger. Don't be associated with them. Don't go along with, which is like this idea of don't walk down the same path of, path of life that they're walking down. Don't make it your your idea to be along with someone so much that you're identified with them, then so long, so much so that you you got to watch out because then you can find yourself walking in their ways and being changed by them. That when you associate too strongly with someone given to anger, this doesn't mean if someone is angry, you just come out of your life, but it does mean watch yourself because when you're with them, that anger can bleed over. I don't know if you ever experienced this. I experience this so often. When people get around and start complaining and start getting mad about stuff, usually what we do is we join right in. Well, this seems like fun. And we start complaining. And you could have a great day and you've been going fine, but then someone starts complaining. Next thing you know, you're complaining along with them and you're getting all worked up and you're getting all mad. And you're like, what's happening? This is what's happening. That you're letting yourself be influenced by those around you rather than influencing those around you. That you're letting yourself be influenced by people who are going astray from what you're supposed to be doing rather than saying, whoa, watch it. Let me focus my eyes back again on Christ and know what he wants me to do and how to respond in these situations. But it's so easy to do when we walk with people to learn their ways and then we find ourselves entangled in the snares that they're going to fall into. Again, that's the understanding to be wise, be slow to anger, even when it makes you have to step out of situations and not walk along with people who are prone to anger. Be wise. Be slow to anger. The New Testament highlights these same thoughts about anger and shows how this is the life that God wants us to live. In James chapter 1, he said, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That when we are given to our anger, don't control it, don't command it. We're not going to be living the life that God wants us, the righteousness of God. We're not going to be following in his steps. Paul speaks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. anger. Do not give, give no opportunity to the devil. Usually we use this in, like, in the context of relationships, and particularly marriage, like when you're angry, when you're fighting with each other, work it out before you go to bed, because when you don't, it festers and it gives opportunity for, for you to be led further astray by the enemy, and so watch out for it. But it's the same principle is that we don't, we're not led around by our anger. Actually, we can actually master it and command it. We can be in control of it that we don't let it have the final say. 
So the New Testament supports what the writer of Proverbs says here about how we should orient ourselves towards anger. And we don't give in to it. We don't fall along with it because that does not lead to the life that God desires. It does not lead to the righteousness of God. Proverbs and in James and Ephesians, we read these in their commands. They're saying things we should do, these truths, and they're good, and we need to hear it. We need to be encouraged about it. It needs to, it needs to be things at our disposal to encourage us to stand firm against anger. But that's not the full word of what God would have for us. Because right now, all we've had was law. Do this. I don't know about you, but I've tried to do this. And I fell again and again. Whether that knee-jerk reaction that I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to do really good. But that knee-jerk reaction when something hits me the wrong way and I'm driving down the street and someone is an idiot in front of me, I find things coming out of my mouth. And I'm like, where did that come from? I've told this story before, but it's just the most, most kind of inseared memory in my mind is that when my son was, was, was pretty young, I was driving, I only had one child at the time, and I was sitting at this turn that's really awkward to get in, and people are not going, and I kind of exclaim rather loud, what do you need, an invitation? And I hear this tiny little voice behind me go, yes. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> There's a child sitting behind me. Maybe I should watch what I'm doing. So I say that, and it's funny, but also it's so sad, and it can be so detrimental to relationships. We know that to be true. When we give in to anger, when we can't control it, when we feel like we're helpless, but there is hope because when we bring the full message of the gospel to our lives, there is great hope. The gospel is not get control of your anger and then you'll be saved, Thank goodness that's not the gospel. The gospel says, and despite yourselves, despite your anger and your angriness towards people and how you can't control it because you're a failure and you won't get your act together, in spite of that, Christ came to save us. And so we are forgiven of all those things and we're even forgiven of those things that we know we're going to mess up. But, that's, but the great glorious of the gospel is that he doesn't leave us there. He gives us his Holy Spirit that changes us from the inside out. He gives us his word to teach us. He gives us the community to correct us. He gives us these things so that we can grow in sanctification to be his people and so we don't have to stay there. We can truly be transformed by Christ. And I see this through when we read the, 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 the Bible. We see these things that come into direct competition between our anger and they're much more powerful than it. That when we become a believer, we do gain the fruits of the Spirit. They're not our fruits. They're the Holy Spirit's fruits that He gives us as He's working in us. And if you remember the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those. Fight against anger and demolish it. That when we have the fruit of the Spirit, anger has no place because these things are pushing it out. They're taking it over. They're redirecting it in the ways it should go. 
that when we think about our relationship with God, that we actually can love like God is. And when we know that we have that godly love, we can go to verses like 1 Corinthians 13. That people want to probably put it out a lot last week during Valentine's. No, this is just talking about what it means to live the godly life as God's love resides in you and you express God's love to other people. That you know that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And that when we have that love of Christ dwelling in us, and that love overcomes us, and it sloshes out on other people around us because we are full of it, Anger has no place in that as we're kind to people, as we love people, as we're serving people. That the hope is not that somehow from our own willpower we can get ourselves under control. No, we are given control of ourselves through the gospel. That we know the truth of who Christ is and we are new. And as the Spirit lives in us, bringing the truth of the Bible to us, living in community that helps correct us, we can grow bit by bit to actually be in control of our anger. Directing it towards where God says it should go. Loving people as we don't stand in justice in this world. Caring for your neighbor as, it, as anger prompts you to move and help them get on their feet. That to be wise, we're slow to anger, and we rely on Christ to guide and direct us as we should. This is the truth of the gospel when we think about what it means to live in this life and how we correctly handle anger. Be wise and be slow to anger. So what does that look like? How should we do it? Well, first, we need to fight against it consuming us. And so number one, as I said, we don't rely on our own power, right? So what do we do? We pray. When you find yourself angry, pray. When you know you're going to get angry, pray. When you know things are going to get frustrating, you pray. You rely not on your own energy or your strength or your own understanding, but rely on God, and so you pray. You go to him and say, I am weak, but you are strong. I don't have it together, but you do. Lead me in your ways. Teach me and grow me. Give me your grace so I can respond in a way that I should and not let anger control me. Don't be consumed. Pray. Don't let it control you. So we practice good methods of life and living where we can control anger. That we don't just let it run free. When you find yourself getting angry, calm down by removing yourself from the situation, by going back to the Lord in prayer, by not focusing on that, but actually make intentional practices to work on your anger. You grow as the Spirit grow, as, is growing you, but you have to step out and start applying the truth of what we do as Christians. So you pray so it doesn't consume you. You start practicing good methods of controlling yourself, whatever that might look like, so it's near not control. And then you start commanding your anger in the right directions. I've kind of already alluded to it, but that means that when we get mad at the things that God gets mad at, so we get mad at sin, but we don't just throw out the sinner as well. We love them and we serve them, but we 
Don't let our anger not be kindled against wrongdoing or injustice or people getting hurt or people not honoring God as they should. We actually focus our anger on the right things because that will actually focus on how God wants us. It motivates us to action. It motivates us to serve. It actually motivates us to love people in profound ways when we do so. That we pray, we practice, and we command in these ways so that we can be wise have a handle on our anger, and so be slow to it. Be wise. Be slow to anger. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth, that we can read it and be moved by it and see the commands and be encouraged to practice it. But Lord, let us also apply the whole truth of what the word says, the whole truth of what you proclaim in your gospel, that you change us that you make us new, that you give us everything we need for life and godliness. Is that true that you've given us what we need to control ourselves? You've given us what we need to be yours, to be your saints, to be sanctified, growing as one of your people. So Lord, I just pray that you continue to build us, continue to make us who you want us to be. Let us be bold in the ways in which we command and control our anger. Let us be bold in the ways in which we rely on you and we redirect it and serve and love people as we call to. For all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we go into this last song, um, I want to invite you to join us and stand now.